Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we talk all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending of course on which platform you choose to follow us on. And of course guys, we are now a few weeks after the finale of the Formula One season and it's a good opportunity where everyone sort of calmed down a little bit, so to speak, but the news is still going on in the F1 paddock. Even though the season is finally over for 2021, there are still a few more stories left to discuss. And joining me on this episode, as always, is my co-host and member of DNF1, Courtney Pine. And also joining us on this episode, you may recognise him from previous episode, but this is the first episode now where we can say we have a brand new member of the team at DNF1. So congratulations and welcome to the team, Mr. Lee Wallinson, our latest addition. And uh, first of all, I'm going to come to you, Lee. How are you feeling in the run-up to Christmas? You uh, been able to relax a little bit more now that the F1 season has finally come to an end? Oh, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I'd say firstly, thank you for you both uh, giving me the opportunity to, to join the team and the wonderful conversations that we have. Um, but feeling, I'm obviously, as you said, calm down from the, the dreadful, dreadful last lap. But the Formula One um, withdrawal systems have already kicked in. It bust out the PlayStation F1 games, and you know, even driving it, driving the game in the track is, just fills in that winter void, at least for me. You managed to keep it in between the lines, Lee, like we talked about. I always before. keep it in the dark lines. Uh, <laughs> yeah, our uh, online lobbies in uh, F1 was it 2012 or so long ago? Uh, yeah. I think did a co-op once, and uh, yeah. I think there was one time Lee got pole position. I watched his lap back and uh, I'd never seen track limits be reinvented so much since we saw Max Verstappen at certain points this year. So um, <laughs> Max fanboys, hold off on me. We'll get to, we'll get to the good part later on. Um, but uh, yeah, no, all sounds good. You know, thanks for uh, joining the team and uh, certainly look forward to having some great discussions with you in the future on a regular basis. Um, of course, we've got our regular here with us as well, Mr. Courtney Pine, our expert there, looking dapper as usual. Courtney, are you, how are you feeling now that the season has finally come to a close? Have you been able to uh, relax and calm down a little bit after what we saw? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still angry about what's happened. But uh, as we're going to talk about into, into this episode, there are certain things that can't be done. So we're just in a situation now where lessons need to be learned. And we and next year's a real opportunity to 
it's, it's a new era for Formula One and it needs to be for matters off the track as well as on it. And I'm sure, as I said, we'll be going into that very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, the main premise of this episode is to discuss a few things. First of all, of course, we gonna, are going to be talking about a little bit later regarding the future situation for Lewis Hamilton in Formula One. It's obviously a big fallout from what happened at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which of course left him second best in the championship fight with Max Verstappen. And now, of course, the news that we have heard over the last week or so that we are going to discuss, there's certainly going to be ramifications and potential consequences regarding his future uh, in Formula One, which we will be discussing in due course in this episode. But the first thing I wanted to talk about, guys, was the news that we got they are on the day that we had the prize giving gala at the FIA last Thursday was that Mercedes officially announced that they were dropping their appeal or withdrawing their appeal from uh, regarding the uh, situation in Abu Dhabi with the controversy regarding the last lap incident and the safety car, of course, with Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, which, of course, by and large, does give us that confirmation that Max Verstappen is now officially the Formula One world champion for 2021. The third time in which we've had to say that over the last week or so. So not a bad uh, achievement for Max Verstappen being announced Formula 1 champion three times in the space of a week. So I wanted to talk about that in a bit more detail, guys. So I'm just going to read the statement for those of you that haven't seen the statement from Mercedes. And bear in mind, Mercedes, this is the first time they've actually posted anything. Um, this was the first time they posted something in about three or four days following the aftermath of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. So I'm just going to read the statement that they made. Now, Mercedes F1 team, they said on their social medias, we left Abu Dhabi in disbelief over what we had just witnessed. Of course, it was part of the game to lose a race, but it's something different when you lose faith in racing. Together with Lewis, we have deliberated, uh, deliberated carefully over how to respond to the events at the Formula One season finale. We have always been guided by our love of the sport, and we believe that every competition should be won on merit. In the race on Sunday, many felt, us included, that the way things unfolded was not right. The reason we protested the race result on Sunday was because the safety car regulations were applied in a new way that affected the race result, after Lewis had been in the commanding lead and, of course, to win the World Championship. We appealed in the interest of the sporting fairness and we have since been in constructive dialogue with the FIA and Formula One to create clarity for the future so that all competitors know the rules under which they are racing and how they will be enforced. Thus, we welcome the decision by the FIA to install a commission to thoroughly analyse what had happened in Abu Dhabi and to improve the robustness of the rules, governance and decision-making in Formula 1. We also welcome that they invited the teams and drivers to take part. The Mercedes-AMG Petronas team will actively work with this commission to build a better Formula 1 for every team and every fan who loves this sport as much as we do. We will hold the FIA accountable for this process and we hereby withdraw our appeal. Now, whilst I've made a hash of reading most of that, as most of you will probably agree, there's a lot to unpick from that appeal by Mercedes. So, Lee, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Um, first of all, are you surprised that Mercedes have withdrawn their appeal on the decision at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix? I mean, initially, my initial thought was, I'm, I, I am surprised that they've withdrawn it. The, they had a strong legal case. Um, regarding the application of the rules um, and they could have easily well I say easily it probably wouldn't have been easy but they could have had a, a big argument and to make that point because the, the rules were on their side however after the time of thinking uh, through the, their statement 
it makes sense because they wouldn't have been able to de- depose Max's champion um, and get the the race ro- race result um, an old effectively or put back a lap, which is really what they wanted, um, and that just wouldn't happen. Um, and they obviously the bad publicity of pushing it through court and how much damage that would do to the Mercedes brand probably came into the the decision as well. Yeah, it's a lot of good points there because um, I, I think one of the important ones that you made there, and I think this is kind of ultimately what Mercedes were trying to go for. Um, I, I don't believe for a second that Mercedes were really considering the spirit of the sport here. Now, I know that that's not a jibe or a jab at Mercedes over this because, you know, there's probably some amount of it in their mind or even the smallest amount of good spirit that they probably felt that, you know, that they could get from this decision. But I don't think for a second that after what they've been through, what Lewis had been through at this race and obviously what the implications were from it in the fallout, that Mercedes were really going to be interested in trying to preserve good relations with the FIA or try and preserve the spirit of the sport when what had happened happened to them that was so appalling. Clearly, in my mind, and obviously, as you've mentioned, Lee, their main incentive for trying to pursue this appeal was to potentially get this race result overturned in favour of Lewis from lap 57 and, by extension, crowning him the world champion. As, you know, Mercedes, Lewis himself, and a lot of people, including us, felt that that's what was going to happen and probably what should have happened. Um, Courtney, in addition to what we've just discussed already, um, where are your thoughts with this? Are you surprised that Mercedes dropped their appeal regarding this or, or, or are you a little bit disappointed that they did, maybe? Um, I'm I'm also a little bit disappointed, but I'm not surprised. Um, when I say disappointed, I'm not disappointed with Mercedes themselves. I'm just disappointed with, I think, the obvious issues that there are at the very top. I think the social media blackout by Mercedes does suggest to me that they did go through every avenue they could. And then when they realised it wasn't possible, obviously that's when they put a statement together and let us know what the situation was. I think, Look, this isn't just an FIA matter. I think we've we've seen it in football with um, FIFA and UEFA as well. When you've got organisations that are this big and they've sort of been formed over years and years and years and you had the same people in place for such a long time, there is a lot of, um, what's the best way of putting it, a lot of self-interest, looking after each other's backs. I'm not going to use any trigger words to get this channel in trouble, Adam. Don't worry, mate. I can see your face there. Um, but there is. When when these organisations have been going for such a long time, it's very difficult to get the big decisions overturned. You know, we look again with football, there was a certain World Cup that people wanted um, to be, well, two World Cups that people wanted to be reassessed. But we, we knew it wasn't going to happen because of the bodies that are at the very top. And I think, this is what Mercedes realised I was coming up against. And I think this that goes on to the issue that the, the fan base have. I think I think even if the decision itself was overturned, I think you'd have had two issues there. You'd have had, first of all, the issue within F1 itself hasn't been addressed because that, that was the issue that the fans have. Obviously, you have Lewis Hamilton fans are upset with the result, but Lewis Hamilton fans and obviously casual fans of the sport were upset with the, the way that it happened. I think that's the biggest issue is the the way that it makes the sport look. And yeah, and I just think if if Max was to be robbed of his world championship, you'd have had rage from Max Verstappen fans, Red Bull fans, and some people that are neutral as well. So you'd have had one problem solved and then another one would have begun. But it's all come from the same source, which was the way that 
the race director decided the outcome of the World Championship, which is absolutely disgraceful. I'm still, as I said at the start, I'm still very angry with what happened there. And I just think moving forward, we just have to make sure that F1 remains a sport because what we saw um, last week certainly wasn't a sport at all. Well, it certainly didn't help F1's credibility or their image to veteran fans like us or new fans that are joined in this season or even some fans or some people that had chose to watch the sport on that particular day. They were drawn in by this championship battle this season and, you know, it's big headline stuff. You know, Formula One, of course, has been growing in reputation over the last 20, 25 years and it's obviously taken an exponential rise in the last few years you know, in some ways, owing to the Drive to Survive series and some exciting championship battles that we've seen this season. And of course, we can't underestimate the image that Lewis Hamilton helps to portray for F1 as as its largest global ambassador and probably ever has been in this sport. So a lot of them would have been left completely dissatisfied and disillusioned, as Toto Wolf put it uh, in his interview with Sky Sports uh, last week about this, over what had happened and confused and disappointed and just completely shocked of, you know, and in, or not necessarily in a good way either over what we saw. Um, regardless of the camp that you belong to, you know, it confused a lot of people and it, it can damage F1's reputation to a point where it may never recover from. You know, it, it's quite a bad thing. I mean, Going back to the legal implications of this, or if you like, the regulatory ex, uh, implications, Total Wolf obviously said in the interview, he said in quite a few times, and a lot of people that I'd spoken to, whether they had a legal background or from what they judged on it, and for even my own opinion, it did seem like Mercedes had a good case. You know, Total Wolf mentioned that in a regular court, there's a good chance that Mercedes would have won um, if this was a, in a regular court, but. Ultimately, the FIA itself is not a regular court. And for those of you that don't quite understand why I say that, and obviously why we're talking about why Mercedes dropped their appeal in the end over the fact that, you know, they may have been right, but it doesn't necessarily mean they were going to get justice. And in their mind, justice would have been Lewis Hamilton as the world champion instead of Max Verstappen. Um, The FIA court itself is pretty much made up of a panel of elected FIA members which would then go on to judge the actions of the FIA stewards who obviously heard the appeal from Mercedes over the action of the FIA race director now you don't even have to be to hear any sort of subtle undertones there there is a clear and obvious trend right there and it's effectively the FIA marking their own homework now the FIA aren't really going to be in a position or put themselves in a position like this, where they're going to hear the appeal, hear the evidence and everything else as we would expect, and then go and say, actually, guys, we were wrong. We made a mistake. We're sorry. We did the wrong thing, and we you know, potentially tainted an otherwise fantastic championship, arguably one of the greatest ones that we've ever seen in its dying moments. But then even if they do that, they're still not going to overturn the result. And it's not necessarily a case of them doing the right thing and acting, you know, you know, providing justice to Mercedes. It's because there's no mechanism to do that. So you could get a situation where, and as unlikely as this is, it just wouldn't happen. We know it wouldn't happen, where the FIA would say, you know, we're wrong, we're going to do the right thing. But then there's no mechanism which will allow them to do that. So Mercedes could go as far as, you know, going to the appeal, winning, celebrating, yes, justice is served, or we've got, you know, we've got the truth. But Lewis is still not going to be world champion. Max Verstappen is still going to be the F1 2021 world champion. Thoroughly deserved, but it's he's still going to end up having that. And Lewis is not going to get what he would want. Mercedes is not going to get what they would want. Um, and a large portion of 
Team LH, if you like, and Lewis Hamilton fans and fans of the sport that watched it obviously felt disappointed by what happened. They're not going to get the outcome that they would want. So it shows huge flaws in the current system with the FIA, which I kind of guess brings us to our next point, guys, in that is the current FIA appeal system or the International Court of Appeal by extension of the FIA, is it fit for purpose? Is it still fit for purpose? Has it ever really been fit for purpose? Because this isn't a new thing. We've known this for a long time. It's just reared its ugly head in the worst way possible in this season finale. Um Lee, what are your thoughts on this scene as we haven't heard from you in, in a little while on this episode um, on how fit for purpose is the FIA Court of Appeal or their appeals process right now? Uh, well, it's, I think you just summarised it perfectly. It's, it's never been fit for purpose. It's just now uh, come to light and the major headlines now. Um, you, you, if you have, if you take it and look at a political comparison between countries and they have their deals and negotiations that every country has internationally, there's always an independent panel or an independent um, body to resolve um, the issues between countries. Most times it's like the UN or something like that. But the countries can't resolve it themselves because they're biased. And the FAA, like you said, marking their own homework, they're going to be always biased in favour of themselves. And so it's, it's just completely wrong in how they go about doing it. Obviously, I don't think anything like this scale has obviously happened before so it's the FA probably never expected that they'll mess it up so much but they'll never admit they messed up so um well, well, it's a problem you're always in denial you <laughs> you never have to accept that um there's an issue yeah it's a good point um Courtney you look like you wanted to weigh in on that one yeah the the, the, the problem is if you dislike go to a, like a micro level because this is obviously a macro issue um in a in a basic workplace it's just it's, it's a known it's a known thing like with um with grievance procedure if you have a problem with a manager you go to the their um their superior and then if, they, if that's not enough you go higher up it's the it's just the idea that someone should always have someone to answer to now with corporations like this it's clear this isn't the case and that's why you have a grievance procedure which on a massive scale like this hasn't been dealt with which is going to leave a sour taste for many many people that are in the formula one and it's exactly why the issue needs to be addressed in order for the sport itself to improve because the sport itself isn't going to improve unless you have to start from the top you always have to start from the top for things to improve lower down um, you know what we see in these corporations is they just they they run on narcissism, in my opinion. That's what they run on, looking out for each other. They're never wrong. Anyone who questions them don't know what they're talking about, which is something else again. And we're going to go into later. And this is why issues don't get resolved, and then that's why it just builds up, builds up, builds up, and then that's why you get some of the some of the stupidity that we've been seeing throughout the season from team principals because it's like. The management system from that level up is flawed on so many levels. And that's, that's why you're going to be seeing people going off Formula One or you're going, to, you're going to have people either going off Formula One or you've had loads of new people watching that race and gone, no, this ain't for me. This is a joke. Formula One missed out on a massive opportunity to finally prove itself in that last race. And people need to answer, answer for what's happened there. Yeah, I mean, it goes a long way when, you know... How can I put this? 
I remember, Courtney, you were messaging me the other day about this and you were saying, should we talk about what a lot of celebrities or a lot of high-profile people on social media had to say on the incident that watched this race? I mean, a lot of people that don't normally watch Formula One, um, it was crazy to see how many people had an opinion on this that were quite high-profile personnel, people that had not watched Formula One before in in terms of a season or even if this was the first race that they watched. And they were all just flabbergasted and let down by what had happened and then it leaves it to more veteran fans like the rest of us trying that would you know you'd expect people that understand the sport um by following it for a long time would actually be able to kind of enlighten people as to in, in explain why that happened or what happened but we couldn't because it was completely unprecedented i'd never seen anything like this happen oh. before i'm sure the team the teams and drivers had never seen anything like this happen before so it's kind of crazy to think how can we expect um just to name drop someone, for example, Harry Kane, the uh, England footballer um, who talked about this and said he doesn't know much about F1. And, you know, he, he can, couldn't comprehend what had happened. And, and, and that's not a dig at him. That's, that's the thought process of a lot of people, even us. We couldn't comprehend what we had seen. It was incredible for what we had seen, but it was so strange and equally wrong at the same time. We just couldn't justify what had happened. I don't think anybody could um, outside the FIA. So... It just, it creates so much confusion and there was no way really out of this for the FIA. You know, they can try and take this lightly, but it's certainly not going to be forgotten anytime soon to the point where we saw potentially a tainted championship, which is unfair to, you know, the likes of Verstappen and Red Bull, which obviously will be celebrating the championship win. And so they should be. Um, And the history books will remember it for that. But there's going to be a lot of people that will completely overlook everything that happened before that because of the incidents that happened in the final few laps of the final race of the season, which is, it's not fair to anybody. Um, we probably should talk briefly about where Mercedes could have gone or what they could have done. Now, a lot of people on social media, unfairly, I must say, were attacking Mercedes and Toto Wolff for this, saying that they'd let Lewis down or that they'd let F1 down or let the sport down because they didn't follow this appeal through. But I think we need to kind of add some clarity and context to this because a lot of people are saying, could Mercedes have gone to the court of arbitration for sport? It seems the natural de facto place that you go when your appeals process is fallen on deaf ears or if you feel you have a case and you need an independent body above all else to try and argue this case ahead. Now, the problem with the court of arbitration with sport in this context is that they can't just be used in and out of situations like this. You know, what their expertise is involved in is obviously governed within the FI regulations, obviously that are agreed with the court of arbitration of sport. It's not like, oh, we will allow you to go to them if we want to, etc. But it's regarding specific legal matters where there's an actual breach of law. Now, in terms of what lap you put the safety car out on and call it back in and how many lap cars you allow to go through, whether it be five of them or all of them, is not a breach of any law, as far as I'm aware. I'm no lawyer, but I'm pretty gonna I'm gonna say that on some relative good intuition that there's no law that exists in place saying that you can't do that. At least, you know, an actual law that you can hold up in court. That being said, um, there is one scenario in F- with regards to F1 where the Court of Arbitration of Sport can get involved in, and that's doping matters. And this isn't one of them. So Mercedes couldn't really take this to the Court of Arbitration of Sport because it doesn't fall under their remit in any way or their criteria. So what Mercedes had was two choices. They either take this to the FIA Court of Appeal and try to argue their case, and, and even if they got it, it wouldn't come to any sort of justice in their mind because they wouldn't get what they wanted, or they just withdraw their appeal. And that's what they've done. 
But of course, with the proviso in the statement that they're now going to hold the FIA accountable for enforcing um, more robust measures, perhaps introduce an independent body in whatever shape or form that takes to make sure that this sort of thing happens again. So for those of you that are obviously feeling some sort of anger or distaste towards Mercedes for dropping this appeal, that's I hope that kind of adds some sort of clarity as to why they've done this. This isn't a case where they've thought, forget Lewis Hamilton, we can't be asked with it, or we can't be asked to chase this up to damage our reputation. We literally have our hands tied. You know, there's a case of arguing for what's right and for getting justice. And unfortunately for Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton and everybody that wanted a justified outcome, they're not going to get it. We, ha- we have to just draw a line in the sand now, accept it for what it is. The record books will say Max Verstappen is world champion. And, you know, you can argue that till the cows come home, but that is what... That's 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 life now, I'm afraid. So we have to move on from that. Um, and in all, it is kind of a bit of a dear indictment of this current process. Um, I, I'm going to open the floor to you guys now because obviously uh-huh. Mercedes have completely lost faith in this system. I'm sure Lewis has lost faith in this system. A lot of us have as well. Um, and, you know, some of us more than others for some time. Um, is there anything in particular that you two would like to see introduced to this current FIA regulations process or this appeals process, if you like, to try and win back some credibility and trust within the F1 fan base and by extension it's leading global ambassadors and top drivers well yeah I think they need to implement things that means that if somebody makes a mistake a clear and obvious mistake that's going to reflect badly on the sport they're held liable for it like we haven't even heard anything from the FIA to say there's going to be any kind of disciplinary action against Michael Massey for what he did because I mean, what he did was, like, I have to use the word, I'm saying it, I'm not saying this by definition. What he did was criminal. It's an emotive statement, I'm not saying he's an actual criminal. But what he did was criminal for the sake for the sake of a sport. You know, and this and this is what needs to change. You can't be putting in a, a, a change in a regulation to make it look, to make the sport more, like more spicy, let's say. But that it just because it just it just makes the sport look plastic. And one of the biggest issues of Formula One is that like Formula One's I don't know, the Formula One's boring, it's it's not a real sport. If you bring stuff like this in, of course it's not a sport. It's it's for me, it's reality TV. It completely kills what F1 is about. So there needs to it needs to the, the regulations need to be not as open to interpretation as they are. Just, just get rid of that stupid regulation where Michael Massey can choose to do whatever he pleases because you're going to anger people and it's not good for the sport. And, you know, you're saying earlier on about bringing, you know, maybe, maybe Michael Massey should have more support. I think we've got a, we've got a similar situation here. I'm sorry to make it about football for you that aren't into it. I think we've got a similar situation with the, the stewarding as what we've seen at Manchester United, for example. They had Sir Alex Ferguson in charge for such a long time and he did such great things for that club that eight years on, they're still nowhere near the level that they used to be because they had that sustained success. Charlie Whiting was such a fantastic race director. Really, really was brilliant. Of course, he'd have been criticised by teams, but he never made a cock up on this level. Nowhere near it in all those years he's in charge. And I just think there's been big, big struggles with the stewarding since he unfortunately passed away. That's a lot to unpick from all of that, Courtney. That's a lot of really good <laughs> points um, because you're right. You know, it's basically, you know, following on from what I said earlier, I'm not going to repeat myself over and over again. But um, 
they haven't really mentioned Michael Massey at all. Now, I don't know if this is not to name drop him to imply that it's all his fault, um, because the FIA have been, well, I say they have been, they've been very careful not to try and throw Michael Massey under the bus. It could be Mm. very easy to do that and say that this was all on him, he messed up, but obviously that does open up a can of worms Mercedes could have potentially used in a court. Um, Not necessarily the one that would have got him any justice, but nonetheless they could have used in their legal argument. Um, I mean, Mercedes went as far as bringing, um, you know, a legal counsel, quite an astute legal counsel to Abu Dhabi because they were worried that this race was going to be ended by Verstappen taking Lewis Hamilton out at some point. And then they would have had to go further for an appeals process to try and use that legal counsel to try and make sure that justice was done in that regard. I don't think any of us could have anticipated at all that the main controversy, despite everything that we'd been through this season, was going to come from the stewards and the race director themselves, or the FIA by extension in this regard, and obviously what's followed from that. So there is some sort of dire need for an independent body in that regard to kind of see through all of this and just call it for what it is and make sure that the rules aren't open to interpretation in the way that they were. I mean, we saw Article 48.12, Article 48.13, Article 15.3, etc. So many different articles, it's ridiculous how they all trip over themselves in one way or another. So it's kind of a case of, well, which one supersedes the others? Which one is the one that's the ultimate decision? And ultimately that did fall on Michael Massey where he made a questionable decision. Certainly doesn't help with both team principals, Christian Horner and Toto Wolf screaming and barking orders at him and having access to do so because any information that they would have given him would have been based on their own biases to their own teams or their own interests in that regard. Certainly didn't help him at all and he shouldn't have taken any information from either of them to come to his decision, whether it was right or wrong. Um, But, you know, it does raise an interesting question on the race director's role right now, because, of course, after the sudden passing of Charlie Whiting, which, of course, hit the F1 world really, really hard, and in a way we've never really recovered from that because of how great Charlie was, has this role now become a role that can no longer be done by just one person? Now, I'm aware that there's a few deputies... Uh, directors involved and obviously they do help Michael Massey in some way but in terms of the overall race direction it just seems that we've gone from someone like Charlie Whiten who had a great rapport of all the teams he was a guy that you know if things went wrong or mistakes were made he was always open to hear out the the expertise of the teams and the advice of the drivers as well and try to say perhaps the next time they go there okay well we did this before but obviously we heard you out so we're going to do this instead you don't really get that from this current regime with Michael Massey and obviously those that support him as well. So, Lee, do you think it's time now that perhaps we need to introduce something where there's more involvement in in race direction? Not necessarily three people or two people being the race director or co-race directors where it creates all sorts of confusion. I still think there should be one voice at the top of it all. But is there a need now for perhaps from a communications perspective or certain other parts of this one massive job that seems impossible to hire someone for? Does Michael Massey perhaps need more support or whoever the race director will be next season? Do they need more support? Uh, well, I, I think you, you've already, you made an important point that there are deputy race directors. So he has a team to um, liaise with and discuss his decisions before obviously making them public. Um, so he's not alone um, in, in his decision making, but he probably does need some support. Um but it may not just be, oh, we need more people to discuss it or more people to. It's more if it, if he's if he's still there next year. So I think Courtney said in the previous episode or was on, it's more about the personality and the backbone. Michael seems to be very influenced 
by the uh, team principals, as you just said. Uh, not obviously you just said it, they're his influence, but they're speaking to him and he takes their opinion on board and doesn't stick to his gut feeling. He, he uh, obviously changed his mind in that last race. So it's more about having a person that can stick to their decision and that's it. Um, but obviously just as an outlying thought, um, why, why not just put uh, Amazon AWS as the race director and let the AI algorithms come up with the which rules um, to, um, to follow? And then there you go, there's discussion, computers decided. <laughs> yeah, I can honestly say the uh, most questionable thing to believe this season, above all else, was that AWS graphic, which was predicting qualifying performance based off of uh, FP2 and FP3. They always put the odd asterisk when someone was out of position. If it was someone obvious, like if Verstappen was like in the midfield or Hamilton was in the back or something because they hadn't done any respective times or Mazepin was near the front, it was like there's always an asterisk saying this is not quite accurate. They're probably a bit out of place. Um, just to name an example. But you no, know, you're right. It is. I don't know. I, I just feel that we were so lucky to have someone as good as Charlie doing the incredible job that he did that I guess we didn't appreciate how brilliant he was to the point where... You know, they say no one is truly irreplaceable. Well, maybe in the context of what the role requires now, perhaps he was. I mean, one thing that we're never going to know is were teams principals badgering Charlie Whiting in the same way that they've been doing to Michael Massey this season? And I know we we talk about Christian and Toto in that regard because those, of course, have been the two biggest stakeholders in this because of obviously the overall show of the World Championship and what's at stake and everything else. But everyone has been involved in this for better or worse, we only hear so much on the broadcast. So I'm guessing, are we all of the opinion that they should scrap this and that the team yes. should not have that direct button to sort of badger, uh, badger Michael Massey in this regard and try to potentially influence his decision-making or thought process in their favour? Uh, what do you think, Lee? Courtney's already said he is, so uh, I'll come to you <laughs> on that I, one. I, I think the, the team principal shouldn't have a direct line, but the teams should have a direct line to members of the race director team, it's a deputy, but it shouldn't come from the team principal, it should come from a number of the team, because obviously they have the direct line with Michael for safety reasons. So you can't, I don't think they should cut away that safety line, but there should be clear regulations that, that an individual can only speak to the, the co-race director or the race director if a matter of safety is concerned on safety car race incident and not, I'll talk about giving the position, but I know it gets a bit vague even and it gives more regulations uh, to an already complicated sport, but it's there for safety purposes. And it's, I don't think it's important if we don't overlook the reason why it's there in the first place. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. And I think fundamentally, I think what we need to see more of perhaps, and this isn't necessarily a dig at Michael Massey, because again, if, and I say if, and I can't, I can't say this is what Mercedes want because I don't know. So I'm not implying this is what Mercedes want in terms of justice outside of Lewis winning the world championship. Um, But there could be an argument to be said that Mercedes perhaps want Michael Massey to be removed from that role and for someone else to step in. But then first things first, who would be qualified for that role? Who do you replace? And I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head. Um, I mean, someone chucked in Sebastian Vettel. Um, but he's still driving a car, so he can't be considered for that. Um, seriously, maybe in the future, that would be a very nice uh, thought to have. Um, Flavio Well, you've both chucked in there too. Great shout. Would you say Flavio Briatore, Lee? 
Yeah. Oh, God. Well, they'd have to unsuspend his permanent ban from motorsport or F1. Corny said Maldonado. I think we've had enough collisions between Max and Lewis this season. Do we really want someone in there that's going to condone what they're doing or say you didn't hit him hard enough? Um, and, you know, Max Verstappen pushes the limits as it is, as, as Lewis has had to a few times this season. I don't think we want to encourage that behaviour more often. Um, and, and, you know, we love Pastor Maldonado. He's the, he's the real goat for those who actually understand Formula 1. He is the real goat. Um, anyway, look, um, I'm getting sidetracked a little bit. But but my point was is that I think the FI needs to show more of a willingness to kind of listen to the teams and the experts because those guys are the experts. I know the FIA make the rules and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, the teams and drivers, they're the ones reporting live feedback to them. They're the ones that are actually... And this is what Charlie used to be so good at doing. He used to be able to take that on board and act appropriately. You know, it wasn't always the right thing that he did. He made mistakes, as we all do. We're human. But at least he was able to listen and acknowledge the expert feedback so that next time it comes round, they were able to do something about it for, you know, for the better of the sport. And that's the important thing. And I've not seen that enough from the FIA this season. I mean, we talk about Mercedes versus the FIA here. Um, and by and large, this is kind of a big deal. It's like F1 versus the FIA in a way as well, to a degree. But Mercedes's distaste for the FIA and their relationship has kind of soured for some time now. I think it was Mugello last year. When uh, before the race, Mercedes said to the FIA, look, um, regarding the safety car procedure, we need to change where the safety car line is or we need to do something that's going to change, you know, procedures to make sure there's a safe restart. Because what they were worried about was the long flowing straight from that final corner where you're pretty much a full throttle halfway through that final apex. All that long way, that long run down to turn one is the main overtaking opportunity in a safety car restart. The leader's going to be forced to do nothing other than to bunch the pack up to the point that when he goes over the start-finish line, he then goes. And that can create all sorts of chaos at the back of the field. And then what happened? Valtteri Bottas, I believe it was, that was leading that race when we had that safety car period. And then he did exactly what I just said that Mercedes said he was going to have to do. And and it caused a massive pile-up um, behind where, you know, you had Grosjean, Giovinazzi, I think had a big crash as well in all of that and everything else. And the FIA's response to Mercedes before that race had even started was, no, we're just going to leave things alone as they are. It'll be fine. It will sort itself out. And evidently we saw that wasn't the case. So it is a, it is a scenario where they have to try and rebuild bridges. I know you sigh, Courtney, you're absolutely right. You know, that's probably how Mercedes felt when they saw that. It's just like, well, it's ridiculous. Um, and then people had to cheat to blame Bottas for all of that. It's like, well, what do you want him to do? You know, you can't, you can't really win. So there has to be a willingness for them to listen and to learn those lessons and to invite that feedback, but more importantly, apply the lessons learned from that so that they're actually looking like they're trying to make process rather than progress rather than say that, you know, we know best, you guys just butt out. Well, you know, that's just not how it's, it's not going to work well. Um, I want to move on now to the FIA statement. Now, the FI, I'm not going to go into details as to what it says in terms of the whole thing like I did with the Mercedes statement, but I want to get your thoughts on this, guys, because I read this and I was not happy with what I read. I wasn't happy with the timing because I think it was on a Wednesday last week when this was put out before we knew the conclusion of the Mercedes appeal process. And um, more than anything else, it just seemed to add fuel to the fire or try to deflect attention away from the FIA, or try to blame other people for this. Um, Courtney, what, what were your thoughts on this statement when you read it? Were you equally as annoyed as I was, or uh, how, what were your thoughts? Do you know what? In a way, I was glad it actually happened, because if anyone had any doubt of the issues that we're upset about over the past week or so, there's your proof. 
it, they just seem to have a complete misunderstanding of how the fans feel about the sport. And it's literally your job, <laughs> you know? You have one job, and that is to represent not only the, the drivers and the teams, but the fan base. You have to give the fans what they want because at the end of the day, it's the fans that put the money in, into the sport in one way or another. So, you know, probably best to listen to us. They just have a complete disregard. And it's all, and it just goes back to everything we've been saying. That statement alone and but the tone behind it, the air of attitude behind it, it just represents that they just saw it, it, it was it was like they they spoke about us as if like we're idiots, as if we're almost like we're primitive, and that you know, listen to us, that we're we're going to tell you how it is, okay? Listen to us, let us educate you, you mere peasants. That is how they made us feel, and I, again, I'm pleased it happened because there was so much attention on this matter from not only fans of the sport like us but casual fans that they've got to see they've got to see what what is causing the issues that have blighted Formula One for years now. Yeah, very much so. It's a really good way of putting it. Um Lee, uh what were your thoughts on this one? Do you agree with Courtney's uh how can I say oh, reaction? I do. I, I do. I, I think it just it just um it was all it was all fluff. There was no substance. It was completely arrogant um and how they they come come across and portrayed their statement um it must be think not to make this a political discussion so i'm just going to go into the, the facts with the with the tories and their endless christmas parties under the lockdown we had in the uk last december it wasn't a christmas party it was a business meeting um, and that kind of thing is like no it was clearly you had wine you with people who were social distancing that's a party come on um it's that kind of thing of as Courtney said, you, you, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're, you're just uneducated. So I think I'm just sheer arrogance that at least the three of us perceived in the statement. Um, obviously, everyone has their own opinion on that, but it's yeah, that's at least how I took it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, sorry to do this. Um, I, I have to put out a disclaimer no, for my own benefit here. No, no, it's not necessarily that. I have to put a disclaimer on this one that those uh, comments on the UK politics you made, Lee, are your thoughts uh, yeah. specifically and your own. Um, yeah. I can't because I have to remain impartial in all of that, I'm yeah. afraid. Um, but anyway, look, um, that aside, it's, it's a lot of good points in, in terms of the, you know, the FIA, how they've handled this. I mean, as I said already, I, I wasn't a fan of the timing of this on a Wednesday. Um on the Wednesday before the FIA prize giving gala when all of this was still going on there was a lot of all the controversy was up in the air everyone's talking about it everyone's a bit irate we didn't know what Mercedes were doing because you know they were on their own little uh uh you know they, they, they were on their how would I put this they were practically silent I suppose they hadn't said anything following the Grand Prix or anything else they hadn't put out their statement to confirm their position um and for me there was a few things that I saw in that that really frustrated me. The, the, the use of the word clarification exercise, or the phrase, if you like, to me, that kind of made light of what was a very, very uh, intense situation. It was kind of say, all right, well, we need to understand what happened or like, this isn't a small thing. This is basically decided the world championship. It's tainted a otherwise fantastic battle between one of the greatest drivers of all time, if not the greatest, and a driver who is very much on his way now to becoming one of those greatest of all time and has already ticked off a huge box in that by winning a world championship. Whether you feel he won it fairly or not is up for debate, but he's done it now. So 
you know, you've, you have potentially ruined that, you know, arguably one of the best battles we've ever seen. Um, and then also saying that there's been a significant misunderstanding by the fans and the teams. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for oh. me, when someone says there's been a significant misunderstanding, whether you agree that there has been or not, when someone says that there has been, usually this is followed up with an explanation or a correction as to what the correct version of events should be in terms of what we should understand. But we got none of that. So you can't really throw about and say that what we've misunderstood has tainted the champions. Bear in mind, they said that the fans and the teams have tainted this because they've misunderstood this, not themselves. So if you have that opinion, you need to clarify for the rest of us idiots, if you like, that don't know any better, what the actual situation is in terms of what we should understand, you know, why we're wrong. But they didn't do that. So for me, I understand they're not going to say anything that's going to implicate them for doing the wrong thing or anything Mercedes can use in in court or their court, if you like, that they're just going to throw in the bin anyway. Um, You know, you, you just can't go with it, that approach. So I found that really, really poor from the FIA. And, And it just, if anything, it just added fuel to the fire. It made things worse. It was practically gaslighting, for lack of a better way of putting it. It's like Lewis says, it was manipulated. Well, yeah, you're probably right there, Lewis. It probably was. But look, I mean, we're talking this year um, about the FIA a lot and the stewarding. This is not a new thing that we've talked about for this specific race. It's been a bad year for officiating. I think probably one of the worst I can remember, purely because of the inconsistency, the back and forth regarding track limits and what is hard racing or what is over the limit. Um, And it's not just been Max and Lewis, it's been everybody. You know, there's been incidents all over the grid which have confused so many people. And the FIA and the stewards and Michael Massey in this case, which of course they didn't name drop in this statement for obvious reasons. There's just been so many strange and questionable calls to the point where Perhaps they're right. None of us really understand what's going on anymore because they've not they've made it impossible for us to understand what is right and what is wrong in all of this. So, you know, make of it what you will at this point. It, I mean, new fans feel confused by this. The rest of us feel confused as well, guys. You're not on your own. I guess that's one thing we've got in common next season. We can just expect anything at this point because none of us know what the hell's going on. But you, I look, you look like you wanted to add that at Courtney whilst I was having a bit of a rant. Oh, uh, yeah, because it's it's just... It, when you're just reading it out again, it just brought it all back. And it's just... There's just such a disconnect between, you know, which the which is the sport and the fans. There's such a disconnect. It just, it just highlights. It, it highlights what a state it is, what a state we're in. And, oh... I, look, we're going to go into about Lewis's future. I, I hope he doesn't do anything rash because that would really, really be the cherry on a really rotten cake. Yeah, it, it certainly would. Um, but look, we've talked about Lewis a few times already. Let's get more into what he must, what we imagine he must be feeling right now. Um, Total Wolf had an interview with Sky Sports F1 about this and he said, obviously, he felt disillusioned. Lewis felt disillusioned by this. Everyone at Mercedes and obviously everyone attributed with uh, Hamilton or Mercedes as fans as well. Um, and there was a lot to unpack from it. He was very much hurt by this. Um, he said that Lewis seemed hurt. I, I think we can all agree that Lewis Hamilton was very hurt by what had happened and probably lost a lot of trust for the FIA and F1, um, but, you know, by extension of what had happened at this weekend's Grand Prix. Certainly felt let down. I mean, we talk about drivers that obviously want to win the right way. 
Lewis is very much a champion in that regard in this modern era. He's always wanted to try and go about things in the right way. He's never really looked to try and manipulate a situation or to push the limits to a degree. I mean, they all do to a certain degree, but, you know, he wants to go out there and do his talking on the track and win the right way, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, And some drivers will go to different lengths in terms of how they interpret winning the right way. Um, And I think we can all agree that this matters to Lewis a lot more than others doing the right thing in that regard. They all do, but obviously, you know, some more than others. So I can understand why this hurts him a lot more and why this really must have hurt him because he hasn't really said anything on social media at all. He hasn't had any public interviews. He's completely gone off the grid for a lack of a better way of putting it. No one really knows what he's doing right now. You know, he could be going on a run somewhere. He could be in the gym. He could be driving along. He could be making music perhaps all of them or one of the lot. I don't know, but it does say a lot. It speaks volumes about perhaps where his thought processes is. And I suppose we have to ask the uncomfortable question is that because of what's happened following the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and obviously the loss of faith that Lewis has had with the FIA and F1 as a result, is there a fear now, a genuine fear that this may be the last time that we see Lewis Hamilton in a Formula One car? Um, Courtney, I'm going to come to you first on that one. Um, it's, it's possible. Um, it's no coincidence that he's been quiet for as long as he has. I'm, I, I reckon he's just going through a phase of mental reflection. I think he's spoken a lot about mental health. Um, there, there is this stigma attached to people with money that pe- because you're rich, you can't be mentally ill. Let's let let's let's make it clear that anybody is susceptible to mental health issues, regardless of their situation or their background. So that's the first thing I reckon he's. I reckon he's reflecting. I at this stage, I think it could go either way. And I think the the other issue that comes into this now, I might get some people on my back over this. So just let me elaborate. Let's not forget about the background that Lewis Hamilton comes from. Whether you agree or disagree, this is just my opinion. Lewis would have been, and you know, it's been it's been well noted in the. Uh, the early stages of his career, that he has been the victim of discrimination, whether it be direct or subconscious discrimination. He has been exposed to that throughout his career, since he was a kid, actually, from his karting days. Now, this kind of decision that took place, there will be a part of him that feels that he he has been, yet again, at a disadvantage because of his background. Because we know that he's been very vocal about it in the past, he's been very passionate about it, you know, with the the statements that he's been making before, the gestures he's been making before races. And it wouldn't surprise me if he does feel this way. So I think there's a lot going on. I think this is a very raw, emotional issue for him, not just for a racing sense, but for, you know, what that decision represented for him personally. And that's why I just feel he's taking, a, he's probably taking some time away before making any comments on social media. And I just think he's going to make a decision one way or another before the season starts. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that. There's certainly a lot going on there and it, and it all adds up. I mean, we're talking about F1's greatest global ambassador, you know, the guy that's done so much for this sport, has gone through so much... Uh, as you said, you know, so many difficult periods throughout his career, not necessarily on the track, off the track as well, especially, um, and has always been at the forefront uh, enacting change and positive change. And obviously the work that he's put in um, on both counts has been, you can't really under 
you, well, you can actually obviously understate, but you can't really understand how significant a character he has been and one of F1's greatest ever drivers of what he's achieved. And um, the way that this has all been handled has definitely dealt a massive blow to him to the point where there is a possibility that he may not return to Formula One. Um, Lee, any thoughts on this? Uh, what are your thoughts regarding Lewis Hamilton's future? Do you think this could potentially jeopardise his future in F1 or do you feel that maybe he... he you know, may stick around for a few years and that, and that be that because of what's happened. Uh, I, I do agree, Cornia. Uh, I think he's at least considering it. It's well known that Lewis has other interests outside of Formula One and different activities that uh, he may want to. He's talked about pursuing, but obviously he's always a, no, yeah, that's my side hustle. We call it a side hustle, but obviously a, a bit more than just a side hustle. Um, but he may be like, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm not enjoying this anymore. They've ruined it. Walk away. Yeah, he's dead. I, I do. I do think he's gonna probably make a decision closer to pre-season testing. Probably um, get through the Christmas period, spend time with his um, close ones, and, and then really think about it once his emotions have died down. But I, I personally hope he doesn't walk away, um, and I hope the the competitive side of Lewis drives him more to stay than the emotional uh, damage he has taken from the fallout of the race. Obviously, the new regulations uh, means a new car, means a new opportunity, new racing, new driving style. Um, and it, it could be all these different interesting... I know as much as those days he doesn't um, chase um, uh, records, but the eighth title... I'm sure that'd be like, oh, come on, I just need that car next year. I can get the eighth title. I'm sure he considers that as well. And he knows what Mercedes has been doing with their car for next year. Obviously, he doesn't know what other teams are doing. But if he thinks Mercedes have got a good car next year, that may also in, uh, in play in part of his decision. So it's, I, I think there's a good chance, but I just really hope it's the competitive side that uh, wins out because he's, regardless of your opinion on, Lewis, he it is enjoyable to watch. Um, at least that's my opinion. <laughs> and, he, and he has done a lot for the sport through his years. Uh, so it would be a, sh- a shame to lose him without a fa- even a farewell from the fans. He just disappears over the winter break. That would be uh, that'd be a shame to see. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, for my thoughts on this, I kind of agree with you a lot here, Lee. I think what Lewis is probably hoping, I'm hoping what he d- is doing, is that he's basically just taking himself out of the F1 bubble, put F1 in the bin for a little while, you know, that a better way of putting it, um, and just concentrate on things that are just better for his own mental state, you know, enjoy the holiday season, of course, see family if he can, and, you know, do the things that Lewis loves to do outside of F1 that kind of gets his mind right into a point where he can calmly reflect on what has transpired and obviously look through what has been an incredible season, an incredible battle with Max Verstappen, and hopefully that will give him the motivation to come back and say, right, well, obviously in his mind and a lot of people's minds, ours as well, that he should be an eight-time world champion, but the fact is he's not. And perhaps that will give him the fire that he needs to come back and say, right, well, I'm not, I've lost my crown through whatever circumstances may be, but I'm going to go and get it back. And perhaps that battle with Verstappen will give him that motivation. 
Um, and, and I don't think Lewis is the sort of person, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. I'm not trying to dig at him, but Lewis is not the sort of person to run away from a situation like this. Um, and I certainly hope that that's the case. I, you know, Lewis is a fighter. He's the sort of person that when his back's against the wall, he's at his most dangerous. And we've seen that a few times this season already. I mean, that comeback towards the end of the season, super engine or best car or whatever you want to call it, you still got to go out there and do what they did. And, and some of the performances Hamilton put in Brazil is a great example of how incredible he really was when the, the, ch- the chips were down. Um, and to put him in a position where he should have been world champion at the end of it all. Um, I just hope I'm right. And I hope we're right that Lewis just needs to take some time away from F1 to sort of cleanse his mind of all the crap that has happened for lack of a better way of putting it and just come back stronger as someone who's still in the peak of his powers, evidently from what we've seen, you know, there were talks earlier this season, was Lewis past it? Was Lewis on the decline? He's proved evidently that he's nowhere near that. Um, so hopefully that continues and hopefully this battle with Verstappen and what's to come in F1 2022 with the new regs and this new generation of drivers is enough to convince him to stay on in F1, whether it be for two years or for five years or whatever. And the FIA as well as, you know, we haven't talked about them in this argument too much, but they do owe F1 a lot and F1 as well. They need the, they owe the fan bases a lot a lot they owe Mercedes a lot they owe Lewis a lot they I think they've underestimated how much they've hurt Hamilton and Mercedes in this I really really think they have so I think they have a lot to do to rebuild this relationship to kind of convince and motivate their greatest asset in Lewis Hamilton to come back into F1 next season and for lack of a better way of putting it go again go for that record you know, be the leading gun in this title fight um, alongside his new adversary, his new rival, Max Verstappen, the world champion, you know, try and get that crown back. I really hope it happens. I'm sure a lot of you watching this and listening to this hope it happens as well, Um, regardless of what camp your interest is in, in terms of the drivers or the teams. Um, Because until Lewis is ready to go on his own terms, F1 will be significantly weaker, significantly weaker without him not to say that he's bigger than the sport there is no one bigger than the sport Schumacher wasn't Senna wasn't Prost wasn't Fangio wasn't Lewis certainly isn't either um but F1 obviously becomes significantly weaker when they always decided to call it a day especially when drivers are forced to call it a day earlier than they would like to um before we get our final thoughts on this guys um obviously we had the new FIA president Mohammed Ben uh Suleiman sorry I apologize if I pronounced that wrong um I think it's Suleiman Something like that. Um, so yeah, I apologise if I've pronounced that wrong. Um, but the new FIA president elected to replace Jean Todd, who had to step down after serving his maximum term. Um, he certainly uh, comes across as a, car- a racer uh, who has a racing background that obviously wants to make these FIA protocols more robust and obviously wants to make improvements. He cited that, which is obviously good. Didn't really do himself any favours by trying to have a dig at Lewis Hamilton by saying he's disappointed he didn't turn up and that there will be uh, retribution for him not turning up in accordance with the regulations of Article 6.6 where the drivers that came first, second and third uh, have to attend the prize-giving gala. Um, yeah, I don't think you really want to be trying to take shots at someone over what the regulations say over what's right or wrong to do, especially when it's fresh in the mirror. I think we can all agree. So, um I'm going to leave that one alone. I can't say I know too much on um, Mohammed as Lee's just moved on for a sec, so we'll get him back afterwards. Um, but Courtney, uh, I just wanted to quickly talk about uh, the news about Audi before we finish this off. Okay. 
Some um, positive news. Yes, some positive news yeah. to finish off this episode, if we can. So, Audi, uh, obviously, for those of you that we uh, know that the VW uh, network involving Audi um, and a few others have been very, very interested in trying to get into Formula One, whether it be as a manufacturer or an engine supplier. And there's been a lot of emphasis on the 2026 engine regulations that they've been very involved in the discussions. Now, Audi have sent a formal letter to the FIA to in basically tell them that they intend to enter Formula One. Now, this confirmation will probably come early next year, as we'd imagine. We don't know what capacity that's going to be as a manufacturer or an engine supplier only. But, um, Courtney, what are your thoughts on this? This is this is good news. Potentially, we may end up with new teams on the grid. Yeah, this is exactly what Formula One needs during a, a dark time, let's say. Um, I think one of the issues that I've had, I've, I've raised it many, many, many times, is that we have a lot of young talent that we're currently not seeing. I think most notably right now, Oscar, Oscar Piastri. I think, you know, he's one of the drivers that really, really needs to be in Formula One. And if we had one, maybe two more teams on the grid, he might have, he, he would most likely have had an opportunity next year. So I think I'm hoping that they're going to add to the grid rather than not replace Haas, for example. I'm hoping we'll have 22 cars on the grid, possibly 24 like we did before, because we do need to be having. The, the best of, you know, the best talent on the grid. And I feel that we've been robbed of that at the moment. I think it's also good to see a well-known manufacturing name in the team. I'm a little bit snobby in that sense. I like to see the big car manufacturing or the big sports car teams come up against each other. And it is one of the reasons why I don't really like Red Bull. It's just the idea of a drinks manufacturing franchise winning championships. I like to see if, if Mercedes or Lewis Hamilton's team aren't winning. I want to be seeing it be between McLaren, Ferrari, for example. So uh, having a team like Audi coming in is good for Formula One, I feel. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing where this one goes. Hopefully we might get a new team out of it. Um, I think F1 has been a bit shortchanged with only having 10 teams on the grid. And uh, incidentally, of course, this will create other options for drivers, as you mentioned. Someone like Oscar Piastri, who should be in Formula One next year, um uh, in criminal fashion he's not oh it's just crazy how the f2 champion who's been so good this year and has been good for many years in junior series is not going to get the opportunity to compete in formula one that said of course we'll just have to wait and see i'm just gonna let lee back into the chat actually because uh he had to go away i think he's uh he said his pc laptop died on batteries so bear with us uh viewers and listeners we might be able to get lee back on this one if we can See, I'm navigating this on Zoom. I have put him through to join, so it's just waiting to come through. But uh, we'll just carry on talking anyway, Courtney, whilst we... Because we're going to wrap this right. up anyway. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and Lee is just about to join. Da, 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 da. <laughs> the anticipation is real. If you're listening oh. to us, you're wondering what we're doing. Right now, we're looking at a black screen where Lee's <laughs> face should be. Um, it's connecting the... And there we go. We've got Lee hey! back. We've got him back. So, Lee, we were just, um, I was just saying to the listeners that obviously can't see what's going on, that you decided that you'd had enough of this and wanted to leave for the evening. But, um, no, Lee's <laughs> back with us. He's, uh, p- apparently his PC battery died on him and he forgot to plug it in. Rookie error. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Sorry, all. <laughs> but first podcast as a DNF1 member and he's already committing the rookie errors Don't already. Don't fire me. Don't fire me. Oh, no. Okay, well, yeah. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll talk about this in your performance review later on. Um, anyway, we were talking about the Audi story, Lee. 
Um, obviously, yeah. Audi potentially joining Formula One in the future. Um, as a, a little notification comes up on my one. So, yeah, we'll put that one in the bin. I'll make up my own regulations as we go along because apparently that's the trend right now. There but you go. W- what are your thoughts on the Audi story, Lee? I mean, this is quite exciting news. If Audi, if this does, you know, end up as a formal entry as a team, maybe into the sport rather than just an engine supplier. I mean, it is very interesting news. And obviously, uh, the, I don't mean to repeat what even you two said because I'm really, I, <laughs> I wasn't there. So <laughs> I do apologize. You'll have uh, to sorry. tune in it, to um, this podcast to find uh, out what we said. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> um, the, it'd be interesting, especially the, the approach that they may take, obviously be better as a team than an engine supplier. But obviously a new team entrants have to pay that $200 million or a euro um joining fee i don't know which currency it is uh, off the top of my head but they have to pay the fee to join as a new team um if they're going to bring in a new team or will they buy an existing team or join forces with an existing team um so it'd be interesting obviously i, I think we need more drivers so a new team would be nice um obviously i want to have good quality drivers not just pay drivers but i obviously have to uh, see on that but yeah, I think they could do having an 11th team, a well-funded 11th team at that. Yeah, I mean, we were name-dropping Oscar Piastri as a driver that obviously should be in F1 next season and sadly isn't. Uh, And it's just another example of some great drivers obviously slipping through the net, really, because it's just not a a lack of of available seats. Um, But yeah, let's hope it works out. Um, I think the money, the entry fee is around $200 million. I think it's dollars that they usually operate in terms um, of foreign currency. And with, pocket money. Well, with Liberty Media, yeah, it's, it's going to be, especially the amount of money they would have made on the uh, entertainment value, if you like, of the sport that they've, not necessarily them, but over the FIA have obviously prioritised towards the end of this season. Um, but that being said, yeah, there's certainly a lot to look forward to, hopefully. So hopefully this will go some way to you know, increasing the number of entries in F1. I think we need that. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. Um, before we round off, guys, any final thoughts to anything that we've talked about that you haven't said or perhaps you want to reiterate? Yeah, I think going back to Lewis, I think someone has divided so much opinion throughout his career. I think he's gained a lot of fans with what's happened. I think I think some people got to know Lewis on a level that they didn't really understand previously. So if one positive thing has come out of this, it's definitely a lot more respect for Lewis and more people. Very well said. And uh, Lee, any final thoughts before we round off? Yeah, just uh, touching on what Courtney said. Um, I think, especially more on the Red Bull camp um, and the Max Verstappen fans, they were surprised that the manner Lewis and uh, Anthony Hamilton presented themselves after the race. And if you believe certain rumours, Lewis also is involved in talking Mercedes down from appearing because uh, he does not how he wants to win, as you previously said. Um, and he's gaining respect from the competition or the opposing fans. So this, um, if you're a Red Bull or Max fan, or that's not what they, they expected or what they had in mind as Lewis. Um, but just the one thing to add on to the discussion of Lewis a bit earlier before, before I died. Um is that Lewis knows that he should have, could have won this year's championship. So he knows he's still there, still got it. And that may still be a deciding factor why he come, still comes back next year. Yeah, 
Very well said. I think the takeaway from all of that is uh, for both sides, whether you're Team MV33 or Team MV1 next season, I suppose is going to be your LH44. Whichever camp you fall into, be like Lewis. That's the best way yeah, I can put it. And for the Max fans, based on what Max said at the prize-giving gala when he had nothing but support for Lewis, be like Max. If you like, take that for what you want. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, of course, guys, uh, please do consider subscribing to the channel. I know it sounds a little bit automated, but we could really do with your support. I think it's been a difficult year and uh, it's been yeah. very, very hard for us working through all of this and putting out as much content as we have done. So I hope that for those of you that have followed us this season, have enjoyed the content that we've put out. But of course, I can say that we are going to be doing our season review in the next podcast, which will be coming out over the Christmas weekend as well. So make sure to keep an eye on that one in your inboxes. And of course, if you are a subscriber to the channel, make sure to hit that notifications bell so you don't miss out. And if, if you're not following us on your favorite podcasting platform, then uh, all you've got to do is just go on that and just search DNF1 and follow us and leave us a nice little review if you'd be so kind to do so. That would really help out the channel and uh, give us any feedback, any comments based on what we just said on the YouTube channel as well. Try to keep them constructive and be kind in the comments. But of course, if you have an opinion on anything that we've talked about, please feel free to let us know. Until then, guys, we have been DNF1. I would like to say we hope you have a very happy holiday, whatever it is that you are celebrating over this period. And we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.